Hey everybody, welcome to Point Break Minute, where we point out the moments and break down the minutes of Point Break, one minute at a time. I'm Marin Kennedy. And I'm Jessa Lowe. Hi Jessa, how's it going? It's good. How about you today? I'm good. It's uh, it's nice to be in the same room with you doing this. For the uh, first time. The first time, the first three episodes, we were in uh, different locations. Probably noticed a little bit of audio difference there, so it's uh, it's good to be together again. Together again. I don't know what song that is. I don't either. I think I just made it up. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure there is a song with that uh, that subject, but yeah. um, I can't think of one right now. Yeah. Anyway, we're on to minute four of Point Break. Minute four begins with uh, Johnny Utah walking into the room saying, Hi, I am Johnny Utah, and ends with John C. McKinley starting to say, 13, and then it ends. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, this minute, uh, things finally start to happen, but we God. do have one more credit God to talk about. damn it. I it know, hiding. it's just so annoying, we, but it's and it's actually two in one, although they kind of go together. We have uh, produced by Peter Abrams and Robert L. Levy. Peter Abrams and uh, Robert L. Levy work together a lot. They're a team. Uh, they produced uh, Wedding Crashers, Pay It Forward, uh, together, and they... Uh, um, uh, Robert L. Levy's been going a little bit longer. He was a producer on Smokey and the Bandit. Um, they did a lot of Mary Kate and Ashley stuff, um, and uh, they've they've won some MTV Movie Awards. It looks like. There you go. And uh, that's really all we need to say about them. The highlight of their careers is Point Break, if I do say so myself. For Peter Abrams, definitely. Uh, Robert L. Levy, yeah, he's been going a little bit longer. Is that uh, Smokey and the Bandit? Um, he didn't do a ton of stuff. Before. Yeah, that was like the one sort of one of his first things. He did, uh, yeah, Point Break stands out. Tangled, I enjoy Tangled. Oh yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, Old Dogs. Oh no, God. Also featuring John C. McGinley. I was just thinking about that for some reason. I don't know oh. why. I just I haven't seen the movie. I just saw. I remember the tra- I remember the trailer so distinctively. Oh. Distinctly. All right. So that's the last credit. There are a couple more, but it was just uh, things you already talked about. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. We've already talked about her. I just discovered um, a movie that I hadn't heard of of hers, though. Her first uh, movie that she directed, apparently, is called Near Dark. Mm -hmm. And it's a vampire movie with Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen. So I'm really excited to check out that, along with uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis Blue Steel. Oh, yeah. I see what she was doing just before this. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in later minutes. Yeah, so it starts out with uh, Johnny Utah, you know, walking into the room saying, Hi, I'm Johnny Utah, talking to the receptionist. She phones in the appointment. He gets buzzed through those wood-lined yeah, doors. those wooden doors, wooden walls. Yeah, Looks t- like a very old kind of old guy office what you'd expect for the fbi building oh totally it's actually very reminiscent of skinner's office that's his name right skinner and x-files yeah yeah it's very reminiscent of his woodlaw uh, yeah. paneled office M- mitch peleggi oh yes mitch peleggi and uh he's buzzed through two sets of doors which is again is interesting that they have such a high level security at a point where you wouldn't have thought there would have been this high level security but maybe that's normal maybe that's just how it is with yeah. FBI and government buildings. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, from then on, he's point. He, he uh, sort of walks toward a, a surveillance room with a lot of uh, televisions, and the guy points uh, points at him to John C. McGinley, who comes at him and he just... barrels into a West Wing style Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It is very. It is exactly like a West Wing walk and talk. Uh, Ten years before the West Wing. Or eight years. Fascinating. Um, and Aaron Sorkin is not involved in any way. But this is something, you know, it's not just a West Wing thing. They've so kind of made it famous, but... Uh, maybe he ripped her off. Maybe maybe this was the first... Ever yeah, filmed I, walk and talk. I don't know the history of walk and talks. When was the first When was the first walk and talk yeah, I'm kind in of, film? And this looks, I mean, maybe you know West Wing better than I do, but it's looking like... It's just a single shot. Is that pretty? Um, yeah, typical? I think that's a single shot. Um, but is, but is that typical of like walk and talks normally? Is that yeah, like it's going to be one shot. Yeah. yeah, I mean they might they might move to another one. I guess I'd have to watch the West Wing more carefully. But it's a single shot as they change perspective. This, this particular one is uh, so far in this minute all one shot. Yeah, and I think it's been all one shot since uh, Johnny Utah walked in the office. It followed right. him through the doors. You're right. Followed him down the hallway to John C. McGinley, That's and and nice. then into the main uh, office area, the bullpen. Yeah, just so. bustling and crazy busy. Yeah, there's a lot of people moving around, looking at old computers, clacking and typing. Yeah, and one. I mean, he, he he's starting to say, "Welcome to the, um, you know, bank robbery capital of the world." Yeah, but. I don't know. Is L.A. truly the bank robbery capital of the world? And if so, would there really be this many people in the office? Like, this seems crazy busy for an FBI government office. But, yeah, I don't it, know. It's kind of reminiscent of, like, a newspaper office in uh, in In an movies. 80s movie. Yeah. In reality, a newspaper office. You know, office would just be skeletons because newspapers don't really exist anymore. Now it would just, yes, skeletons. But uh, yeah, sort of like a movie newspaper office from uh, the 80s or earlier where everyone is moving all the time and always typing and always talking, always trying to get the latest scoop. So it looks like that's what they're doing. I think that's the idea they're trying to get across with him talking about L.A. as the, the bank robbery capital of the world where it's just they're always they're always working on something in this FBI office. There's always someone to try and catch. Yeah. Um, and I, I imagine uh, now that we have officially found out in this minute that uh, in his conversation with John C. McGinley, Keanu Reeves was in Quantico, as we yes. as we guessed from the previous minute. And now he's uh, come to L.A. And I can only wonder if he requested L.A. as a challenge, because as we also find out, uh, he was in the top two percent of his class, mm-hmm. although that means nothing to John C. McGinley. Yeah. So he seems like kind of a, you know, he's a young rookie who's really out to prove himself. He really wants to uh, to prove himself and maybe chose to go to the, the toughest bank robbery. Yeah. Although I'm sure there are other areas that are tougher for other reasons. So uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking here, I was curious whether California really was. And according to the most recent article, at just a quick cursory glance, California, yeah, did have the largest recorded number of bank robberies. And it looks like go. as of whatever this year is, maybe 2014 was the most recent at a cursory glance. Um, California had 805. 
Texas with 464. Wow. Ohio with 263. And then Florida has 243. Now, I would have thought Florida would have been so much higher on the list. Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, California is a bigger state and has the highest population. That's true. But still, uh, Texas has a pretty high population, too. So does Ohio. That's Ohio. And so does Florida. So does Florida. Not as big as California, but uh, it has almost twice as many as Texas, which is the second highest. Uh, So, yeah, that's... That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's California with 805 followed most closely with like 300 something odd less bank robberies in Texas. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Of course, if you watch uh, The Town by uh, from director Ben Affleck, you would say that that uh, wherever that took place it was, was that uh, Boston or something. Yeah, somewhere is a neighborhood in Boston, Boston. Boston uh, Jesus. Boston Jesus. Shout out to the McElroy Bros. Yeah, <laughs> Boston. Yeah, it's uh, that's a deep cut, but I'm sure if you know the uh, yeah. my brother and my brother and me, that might make sense to you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this was recorded in 2010. Anyway, so yeah, he's uh, he's correct about that. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, he also has quite a line. <laughs> See if I can uh, recreate it. So uh, he talks about he's in the you're in the top two percent of your class, but here you have no experience. You know nothing. In fact, you know less than nothing. If you knew knew you knew nothing, you'd know something, but you don't. What now? Sorry, break that down one more time. Okay, for me slower. So, uh, let's, let's see if I can. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if I even said it right because it's mm-hmm. it's a very written line. And yeah. I mean, although I can imagine maybe in his character bio, John C. McGinley says this to every new recruit. Yes. Uh, yeah. He says, uh, "You know nothing. In fact, you know less okay, than nothing." So that makes sense. If you knew you knew nothing, you'd know something, but you don't. Okay, that actually kind of makes sense. But when you say it really fast, it just sounds like gibberish. <laughs> like he does. Yes. Yeah. It's just, he's just, he is talking, it's walking and talking and it's very West Wing. He's just talking as fast as he can and he's moving and he mm-hmm. never stops walking. He's just, you get the the idea that everyone is moving in this office, as we said. And then uh, after that um, bit of wisdom. Uh, he gives some diet tips. He gives some diet tips. He's he's very concerned about the diets of his, uh, his agents. Which it's funny because he talks about dieting and then says, I'm very concerned about the cardiovascular health. So you would have thought, instead of giving us diet tips, he would just give us cardiovascular health tips. Like, go run. Go do some cardio work. I mean, diet is tied into it a little bit, but But you would say, if he was talking about what he wanted his agents to be eating, you would say... I'm very concerned about the diets of my agents. Cardiovascular health is, is, yeah, it's separate. And he also specifically says no smoking, no caffeine, coffee, no sugar, which is not things. I mean, smoking, I guess I would consider heart health and eh, I guess caffeine. But yeah. sugar, I would think would be more like, I don't know, fat or something. Or Yeah, I mean, it's not good for you. Metabolism, yeah. But yeah, he's concerned. And, and uh, I was wondering if that's a, are they kind of poking fun at L.A. there yeah. in the, the screenwriting, uh, the... the screenplay saying oh he's the, the la fbi building oh they're all they're all concerned they're eating their avocados and they're <laughs> they're trying to stay trim well i mean if that was the case i would have hoped they had made they would have made more of a i like all my agents to eat avocado toast in the morning with their <laughs> spirulina smoothies and when was avocado toast invented 
I mean, I'm sure people have been eating it forever, yeah, but it's apparently just more of a thing millennials now. are... Yeah, it's the, millenni- the, the, the flag of the millennials. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll let our free flag fly. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's something that's... It seems like with police officers as well as I'm sure with FBI agents, your physical fitness is super, super important. Because basically, you know how like with a model... Your physical fitness is important so you look good. But it's your life is at stake when you're a um, police officer or an FBI agent. Like, you got to be able to run faster, be stronger, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it makes sense. Um, it makes sense that he would say it to everyone yeah. everywhere. It makes sense, but I don't think it's always held as a value in uh, all law enforcement. Yeah, well, and I'm sure... If you watch, like, The Wire... Yes, there's yes. Some, uh, there's some big guys on that show. Yeah. There's also some, you know, some of them are fit. But... And you've def- I've definitely seen big cops before. It's yeah. not exactly. But, you know, in this day and age, we should know that just because you're big doesn't mean you're slow. That's true. Or unhealthy. Yeah. But. Everyone has their own shape and it doesn't, doesn't uh, necessarily reflect on uh, how healthy they are. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, it also probably depends where you are in your career. And I'm sure new recruits just you you'd want to have the leg up and the advantage you'd want to be proving yourself and and keanu reeves is already trying to prove himself he's trying to act all tough he takes the skin off chicken oh yes he says very menacingly take the skin off chicken sir keanu's playing this very he's playing this as a soldier almost oh yes i mean he's yeah as we said he's he's really trying to prove himself and he he has all about the sir like he's calling him sir but he's saying sir like a soldier would say sir like sir which I'm sure you'd have to do at Quantico. Yeah, that's probably part of his training. Um, but yeah, he's like very, you know, he's talking. <laughs> so I heard, I've heard him described as he's always dumbly earnest. But he's, <laughs> he's like not, he's never very intelligent, but he's always 100% serious. And that's yes. sort of how and he's coming earnest. across here. That's yeah, sweet. earnest. He's that's very really earnest. Sweet. And he just, he always means what he says and he's very... Aww. Eager, so he's like, "Yeah, yes, sir. I take the chin. I, I take the skin off chicken, sir, or the chin off chicken, the chin, the chin off skicken." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which that's pretty cute. I mean, Keanu Reeves would be like a little puppy trying to do well in obedience class. Yes. I mean, you could. I could see this movie being remade with puppies, which I hope it would be at some point. Yeah. Speaking of puppies, John Wick. Yeah. Oh, that's I, sad. I knew that's where he would go. Yeah. But yes, I, I agree. He is puppyish. Yeah. So I mean, already we're getting a little bit of haze visually. Um, it's not not super hazy, I guess, in comparison to later minutes. But you know, there's some there. Do you do you have anything else to say about this minute in particular? I don't know. I I, I thought when uh, they would start talking, we have more to say. But it's kind of, it's a pretty straightforward Apparently, minute. Apparently, all we care about and have to talk about <laughs> without the credits is people's careers and judging them based on what they've done in their yes, careers. Yes. Yes. So yeah. now that we've gotten through that, yeah. the episodes might be a little shorter. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is now wearing a suit. Mm-hmm. His hair slicked back. Doesn't look yeah. so shaggy. Everyone's hair is slicked back in a very 1940s greaser way, except for this weird woman who just walks in between them and has, like, very feathered 70s hair and just yeah. flies dramatically as she walks past them, which seems a little bit silly. 
And then there's this woman who's been bothering me the whole time we've been sitting here. We're sitting here in front of a pause screen at the four minute mark. There is a woman in a plaid frumpy dress and like short, like, you know, Ma Ingalls hair. And it's, it's kind of distracting in this sea of suits that there's that there she is there she is yeah yeah well it looks like yeah on those two women there's a couple other women it looks like very much it looks like an old-fashioned newspaper office i keep coming back to this and it's like old-fashioned the way that all the men are wearing suits and all the women are dressed as like secretaries from the 50s yes and there's that there's that hustle and bustle and you you know you can if this wasn't in la with the California accents, there would be a transatlantic accent happening here. Yeah, there like, would. That's very, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. It's kind of odd now, now that we're diving into it. This is yeah. a little bit odd for the, the way they set up the office here. So we'll see if this kind of caricature continues, but uh, it's interesting. It's, it's super interesting, dramatic, stylized choice. I, and I'm curious to see whether there's other choices like this in later scenes like especially with the surf culture stuff i mean surf culture i think was probably at its biggest maybe in the 50s through 70s the beach boys beach boys definitely when it was a like at the forefront of culture Mm -hmm. and it's kind of took off from there Mm -hmm. yeah i'm also wondering yeah the way they're portraying women so far i wonder if there'll be any uh any female characters in this how many i wonder (laughs) i mean yeah. <laughs> so far in the credits, one. And actually, weird for Catherine Bigelow that as a female director, her movies, with the exception of one character in Zero Dark Thirty that I can remember, are pretty masculine and male-driven. And I'm just curious yeah. whether that's just some sort of coincidence or whether that's a choice or whether, you know, what? what yeah. What's that about? I'm trying you- to think back... I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, like the the latest uh, sort of historical trilogy she's done. Zero Dark Thirty had uh, Jessica Chastain as the lead. Um, but aside from that... Almost, Surrounded by men. Uh, there's Jennifer Ellie was in there, too, oh, for a little bit. But yeah, two, basically. And then... Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, The Hurt Locker, none. I remember. There's just like his wife, wife yeah. but she showed up only at the end. And in I Don't Know About Detroit. And then thinking about, yeah, this... Uh, strange days I haven't seen, but yeah, it's interesting. Because in she most... didn't she didn't write the screenplay to this, and no, uh, that's true. Did she write the screenplay though for Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker? She probably had. You know, it was they were those were her movies, uh, her and uh, Mark Bowl. Oh, uh, so I think she probably definitely you know at least had input on it, um, worked on drafts, but uh, th- those were also you know based on history and. She wanted to be as accurate as possible, that's and true. especially when you know in the first two dealing with military, there's not going to be as many women. That's that's very true. So I I, I take it back. I was going to go on a huge tirade about how most women oh. I know who are female actors and directors in the arts um, choose to do plays that gender bend casts and um, utilize strong female characters. But I mean, she is being historically accurate, and unfortunately. History is not always on the female-centered side. So yeah. this has been the episode of yeah. of political correctness. We, we, could, we could go into a whole thing about what it is to be a woman in the arts and what your responsibility is. And uh, but I just want to... Don't, we don't no, need to do that. No. You can have your own opinion about that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's about it. We're, we're getting into the, the meat of it now. Yeah. 
So what's uh, this week? What would be your recommendation before we let them go? Uh, I'm going to recommend... You talked about a movie, Running Man, that you mm-hmm. think about regularly. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about movies that I... Uh, not necessarily movies that I've seen recently, but ones that I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about Under the Skin. Oh. I just a movie that I, I just think about maybe once a week. Really? Yeah. It just... I don't know why. It's, it just really got to me, and I, I think it's a really good movie. Uh, yeah, Scarlett Johansson... Um, and uh, it's directed by Jonathan Glazer, who also did Sexy Beast, which is another great movie. Fantastic movie. With uh, Ben Kingsley and Ray Fantastic Winston. Fantastic movie. Similar aesthetic-wise, sorry to interrupt real fast, kind of a similar 80s bright poppy aesthetic um, mm-hmm. as, as this movie. So if you're into this aesthetic, definitely check out Sexy Beast. Totally different feel for everything else. but It definitely has a kind of a fun... Yeah, I agree. It's It was made, I think, in... Made like 2000 around oh that's right that's right it uh, was made way later than i thought it was um sorry right. Conti- continue. You're, you're not you're not wrong um yeah he also directed birth which is a very odd movie with nicole kidman which i didn't like as much but it uh kudos for trying i guess i would say about birth <laughs> that sounds um, but yeah under the skin is great it's um it's kind of uh 2001 ish stanley kubrick totally. um you know the way it's paced and the tone of it and the imagery and the imagery yeah there's kind of like odd imagery that just pops up and striking um, the the score is great mm-hmm. uh, scarlett johansson does a really good job um and she has to do these scenes where it's just uh she i don't know if you've heard about it but she's just picked up she's like, like driving in a van in real life in real life and there's just a camera set up behind the seats and she just picks up guys because she's beautiful so she's just asking them for directions or giving them rides and they just she just talks to him and that's those are scenes that are just her talking to guys that don't know they're in a movie and then later they you know they sign the release and everything and agree to be in it uh but those i think those scenes are fascinating especially as an actor yes. having to do something like that would be How terrifying. very terrifying and she she does it well and it's a uh, yeah under the skin one of my great favorites movie. i would say yeah great movie and interesting fact or not fact but just interesting thing about under the skin we're big fans of the flop house um which is another podcast and um, Elliot Kalin, who's a host of the podcast, said one of the scariest scenes he's ever seen was in that movie. And I won't, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just an interesting thing. It's it's a it's a spooky ish movie, but a different kind of suspense and thrill, I would say, than yeah, than a horror film. It's yeah, unnerving, unnerving, unsettling mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, how about you, Jessa? Um, so God, a couple ones on my mind, um, trying to think about which one I'd like to do more. Um, <laughs> you can I, do more than one. I mean, we have, although, unless you well, want to save it. I want, I want to, I want to save it. So this time I am going to recommend the little hours and mm. we just saw that in theaters and just meaning like a couple months ago. Um, the brief period it was in theaters. Yeah. The brief period it was in theaters. In like a so, handful. So underrated. It's this. Uh, based on the Decameron, Aubrey Plaza, Allison Brie, Molly Shannon, Fred Armisen, John C. Riley, um, the girl from Garfunkel and Oates, who I've never seen that show. Kate I've never Mikucci. seen the Yeah. Hilarious actress. Um, so it's it's all these amazing comedy actors, and it's set in completely medieval? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Oh, Nick Offerman's in it, too, and he's hilarious and an yeah. amazing wig. 
Um, oh, and, and James Franco, duh. Dave Franco. Dave Franco, sorry. Sorry, Dave Franco. Very big distinction. Yes. Um, but uh, it's set, it's very period film. They all have awesome um, period hair, which is a big stickler thing of mine that if somebody's doing a period film, the hair has to be specifically of that time period, whether or not we find it attractive to our current time period. Mm-hmm. Something that in the 60s and the 70s movies did awfully. Mm-hmm. Ro- watch any Roger Corman film and it's just horrendous. Um, but yeah. It reminds I, me of like movies like Grease and Dirty Dancing too where it's like yes. supposed to be in the 50s and it's like kind of in the 50s but not, not quite. Not quite, no. Um, the hair always takes it out of it. Anyways, um, so very good job setting it in the time period but they all talk like uh we would today like they'll say like what the fuck is this shit and like yeah uh, and it's high, uh, largely improvised dialogue oh i didn't know mm-hmm. that yeah yeah oh that makes it even funnier so that and that's why because it would be you know it'd be kind of restrictive to have to improvise and not use current language so they're just totally free to say whatever they want while existing while still existing in this time period yeah. and uh, if they hadn't done such a good job recreating it with the hair and the costuming and all that and the, yeah. the setting it would be kind of inconsistent, but it's not inconsistent. It's just a very, uh, very specific convention that they're doing that I thought worked very well. Yes, yeah, and you know, story's not anything like amazing or anything. It's just it's short, it's sweet, and it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of laugh out loud parts. I would highly recommend seeing it. Yeah, it, it managed to be a very coarse uh, sense of humor, but has a really good heart underneath it, which yeah. is something I always want from a comedy. There's so many kind of cruel heartless comedies out there i feel like that i I never couldn't quite uh get behind even if they're funny yeah this one uh just has a really good heart um and and then still yeah man it just there's plenty of there's plenty of gross humor in it yeah but uh, when it had yeah raunchy uh but if it if it's coming from and it's coming from the story too it's not just randomness so yeah and it's the weed nuns if you know what i'm talking about those two nuns that like uh, aren't real nuns but they like grow weed in california it's approved by them they thought it was awesome <laughs> so there you go um so our two movies that we recommended this week under the skin and the little hours two very different movies but good in their own respects yeah both featuring women in large roles <laughs> yeah. uh unlike this movie not quite but <laughs> less so All right. Well, that's about it for Minute 4. Come back at you with Minute 5. Look forward to hitting the waves again with you at Point Break Minute, brah! Woo!